Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Ephesians chapter 1. Every semester, if you are part of this house, you know we have some routines, some expected programs, if I can say like that. We have 21 days of prayer and fasting. Hallelujah. It ended last week. Praise Jesus. It was great. We have encounter. It's a moment for you to experience the, the power and the reality of the gospel. We have baptism every semester. For those that are making Jesus the Lord of their lives. And now they want to proclaim that publicly. They don't want to keep it in the privacy of their faith. We have some schedules expected every semester. But now it comes to a moment that I always love in our semester. It's time for Bible study. And you wonder, Bible study, Pastor? I, I never enjoyed that. Uh, I dare you to try it out this time. And I know that after we going slowly enough to grasp not all but a lot of God's revelation in the book of Ephesians I know your life will never be the same this is definitely one of the most profound writings ever written and it's so profound that if you just keep your mind in the dimension of this earth and material uh, reality you will not be able to get it all we need the spirit of revelation we need the holy spirit to open the eyes of our hearts to see that light would you pray with me just bow your heads and ask the holy spirit to do that to open the eyes of your hearts so you can receive revelation father we yield to you we surrender our preconcepts our prejudices our ideas and doctrines that we carry with us depending on our background and how we were brought up right now we put it all aside and we are totally open for you to speak into our hearts revelation and truth that has the power to set us free and free indeed. And the whole church said, Amen and Amen. Are you guys ready? Now, Ephesians, like I said, it's very profound. And let's read chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints... Who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Say amen. Now, every story has a story. Behind this first opening uh, of Paul, we have to go back in the book of Acts and journey together 
with this great man of God to find out what inspired him to write these letters. With the proper context, we're going to apply the writings of the Word of God into our lives more precisely. It all began when Paul and Barnabas, they were returning from their first adventure in preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. I know it's a very complicated word, but Gentiles means non-Jews. And for their surprise, and the surprise of the other apostles at the time, they were amazed the fact that God was blessing and was saving non-Jewish people. Which is interesting because most of us is still having this idea that you need to fix yourself first before coming to church. It's better I change that problem in my character, in my behavior first before I baptize. No, no, no. It's better I come before God with that situation in my marriage fixed first. But that's not what we see here. Actually, Apostle Peter in the reports coming from this first adventure of Paul, he said in Acts chapter 15, verse 8, And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the holy. Everybody say holy. Let me hear your voice say holy. The very holy spirit was given to the barbarians. To the Gentiles, you and I included. Because very few of us can actually say we are related to any Jewish tradition or religion here in this room. We are, most of us, Gentiles. Just as he did to us Jews, verse 9. And he made no distinction between us and them. Praise the Lord for that. Having cleansed their hearts by Say amen again, everybody. I don't need to clean myself in order to take a shower. You know what I'm saying? There are people doing this. I need to come to the church after things are fixed. After my heart is fixed. No. You don't, you don't clean yourself going to the shower. Going to your bath. You simply come to the bath. You just put yourself under the shower of grace of God and your heart by faith is clean. You should not clean yourself first and then believe. You believe first and then you'll be cleansed. So Peter is saying that the problem with religion is that heavy yoke of pretentious obedience. And the result is only two. The most evident one is condemnation. Is the constant awareness of lacking. I'm never fit. I never fulfill it all. Therefore, I am condemned. I'm afraid of God. I don't expect to more blessings. But I am in the fear of the next World War III. If not in Ukraine, in my marriage. If it's not in my marriage with my children, I'm just expecting 
what in the back of our minds, full of condemnation, says, one day the curse will find you. One day your sin will demand the invoice payment. And we know, we know the invoice payment of sin is death. So there is always this constant fear of death and curse. But only for those that did not believe in Christ Jesus. Because for us that place our trust in Jesus, our expectations is only blessings. That's why we can lift it up our voices and hands and sing it. I'm waiting for your blessings today. Now, a second sign of this heavy yoke is pride. It's pretentious attitude. You created that mental moralistic list inside of your mind. You do not smoke, kill, or steal. And you think I'm good enough to present myself before God under my own self-righteousness. But this as well is rejected. Now Paul became this apostle of grace. And that's why in every single letter, he opens up declaring grace and peace. Always in this order. In his second missionary trip, his companion is not Barnabas. It's Silas. And these two together are just those Jesus freaks. They preach Jesus in every corner, every city, every place they go. They are passionate. They are on fire for God. Signs and wonders happens with them. They cast out demons in Philippi. Acts chapter 16, they are put into jail and unfairly treated. They experience this amazing earthquake that opens the jail and the prison. There are crazy conversions everywhere they go, including the jailer. That after that amazing supernatural event of earthquake that opens up the jail, everybody in his family is saved. In Thessalonica, Silas and Paul, this team is known like this. Acts chapter 17, verse 6. These men who have turned the world upside down. So I just want to prepare you. Because this church will be known as a church that turned the world upside down. Because in this church... We're going to have a lot of Paul and Silas. We're going to have a lot of those that have one single message. You know what was their message? Acts chapter 17 verse 7. There is another king. And it's not money. It's not the dictators in the world. It's not economy that reigns over my life. Jesus is the king. He is the king. And it seems, it seems simple, but it is not. It is revolutionary. Because people don't want to yield to the, this kingship of Jesus. So Paul defends the Christian faith with a scripture to the noble-minded. That's how they are called Bereans. Paul is going to Berea, and there he reasoned with faith and reason and they find this group very open to really understand that message. But also, Paul tries his apologetics skills to convince the 
worthless Athenians. Yes, the famous, famous Athenians were just wondering about philosophy. But Paul did not give up on them. Acts chapter 17, verse 17. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happen to be there. Reason. Say with me, reason. Our faith is not a foolish doctrine. It's not something that you're just moved out of emotions. We have a reason, reasonable faith. So one of our goals with the study of Ephesians is also to resource you with some of reasonable arguments. So you can present the gospel to your family, to your college friends with more reason. And instead of just debate and try to prove the other is wrong, just stand for the truth. And the best way to do is just to do like Apostle Paul. Just be where the people are in their faith. There were two groups of philosophers debating with Paul in Acts chapter 17. Very particular group, the Epicureans and the Stoics. Just for your curiosity. The Epicureans generally believed that God existed, but he was not interested or involved with humanity. So their main purpose of life was to find the ultimate pleasure. While the Stoics philosophers, they also had an idea of God, but God was only the soul of the world. And God was above every emotion. So their ultimate goal was to be emotionless, without feelings at all. And Paul is trying his best to show that the God, the true God, he's personal. He's not a distant Greek-style Roman pantheon God that just gives orders but does not interact. On the contrary, he took our place. He took our sins. Upon him was our transgressions and our sins. And because of his stripes, we are healed. Come on, somebody. So it's more than just that idea, uh, fathom, ether, subjective about God. He's a person that wants to relate to us, not to develop a religion with us. Now I need to alert you that we don't want to fall into the Athenians' attitude. Because they probably were exposed to the same concepts we will be exposed in Ephesians. But the result in Athens was, Acts chapter 17, verse 21. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners who live there, we spend their time in nothing. Accepting, except telling or hearing something new. A few weeks ago, talking to Pastor John... He challenged me about this, and I had to agree. We Christians, we, with the evangelical tradition, oh, how much we like to learn new things. It seems that if we come to Sunday morning and there's no something new, we feel that it was not a good service. Just missing something. And he, maybe because of his age and life, he 
came to the conclusion that actually the apostles insisted with us. It's better we don't become masters of everything. Because we're going to be charged even more on the day of judgment. But God, Jesus, is calling us to be doers of the word. We're not supposed to be sages or cognizant of the truth. But doers and practitioners of it. There's more still. So Paul is not only exposing the truth to be learned, but the truth to be lived. That's why in the book or the letter in, of Ephesians, um, the early church fathers help us a lot dividing in chapters. Remember, nobody writes a letter in chapters in verses, right? So this is us only for us for the future help of the believers, which, by the way, was a great help. And I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it seems it was. Get your Bible. And you're going to notice that we, we have six chapters in Ephesians. But the, starting off the second half, chapter 4, the chapter 4 starts with a keyword. Can you guys find it? What is the keyword that opens chapter 4 of Ephesians? Everybody, go to your Bible. Don't look to me. Not going to be projected. It's a Bible study. Use your Bible. So, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 starts with a key word. What is the key word there? Therefore. And therefore is a conjugation that implies what? Implies what you're going to do with what I taught you in the previous chapters. So again, the truth we're going to be exposed will demand, will challenge you and I into doing something about it. So if you want to just come and learn and philosophize and make some theology and say that now you made your Bible study, don't return next Sunday. But if you're looking to apply the Word of God, the truth that sets you free and bring freedom also to everyone that listens to this message, keep coming, keep bringing more people. Amen. Now, Paul uh, is now arriving in Corinth. We're just making the second missionary trip of Paul until we're going to get there. He arrives in Corinth. It's a, a city that he spends a lot of his time in ministry. And it is there in Corinth, Acts chapter 18, that Paul seems to finally embrace the ministry, the focus of his ministry to be an apostle for the Gentiles, the non-Jew folk. You and I were included in that group that Paul embraced. That's why we love to, to read his letters. Because they were actually addressed to us. Acts chapter 19 is when Paul finally exercised his ministry in the city of Ephesus. It is there in Ephesus... That Paul is confirmed as the apostle of grace. Acts chapter 19 verse 9. And there he reasoned. Again, he uses this word. He reasoned daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years. How many years? And I'm daring to preach Ephesians in a few weeks. So, come on, guys. Be patient with me. Okay? And don't limit our Bible study in a weekly Bible study. Are you guys with me? 
Bring it to your weekday, please. Open the book in the letter of, Eph of Ephesians in your weekday. Let me hear a good amen in this house. Actually, some manuscripts even say this, that for two years, every day, from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m., Paul continued to preach the gospel so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Now, here's the point. The whole area, the whole county of Asia Minor were exposed to the gospel. And the result of that is Acts chapter 19, verse 11. And God was doing extraordinary miracles, hallelujah, by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchief and aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick. And their disease left them and the, de and the evil spirits came out of them. Now, I don't know if you're getting the picture here. Paul is preaching, is sharing, is bringing a message. There is something in this message that releases extraordinary miracles. I'm going to repeat it. It's not about Paul. It's not about a special person. It is about the message. You are not a special person. I know that. I know myself. But we carry a very powerful message. So powerful that can change the eternity of a person. And it's so powerful that it seems that because Paul had to work aside in order to be able to preach the gospel and not be a financial burden to the ministry he was performing, that the message had some sort of anointing spill over even his clothes. It seems that his clothes represented the message he preached. And I like the fact that one of the clothes described here is an apron. It means that Paul was a worker, probably in the marketplace. So please take out this idea of your mind that in order to be used by God, you have to perform in the stage. You have to have a perfect English. Can you hear my English, please? You know, like, come on. Like, we create so many limitations in order to be used by God. Just open your house, you host a life group. Just invite your friend to the next meeting in your small group. Just bring somebody in the Easter service. Everybody's open for the Easter service. Acts chapter 18 verse 3 says that he was a tent maker. That he, he had partners in his business. So he could be used by God and also work in the marketplace. What makes us powerful is not our eloquence, our intelligence. It is neither our academic skill set nor our personal charisma. This all can help a lot, but it's not essential. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. 
Because the gospel is the power of God. Say with me, the, the gospel. It's better you tell to a, a neighbor. Just look to somebody and say, the gospel, my brother, is the power of God. Now remind somebody else around you. Say, brother, let me remind you. The gospel is the power of God. It's not you that is powerful. It's not me that is powerful. It's not our church that has. It's our message that is powerful. It is the power of God for the salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew, to the religious one, or to the non-religion one, Greek or barbarian, doesn't matter. Man, woman, kids, for in it, verse 17, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Pastor, but I don't know the gospel. I'm learning. I feel that maybe... I am not the right person to proclaim or preach the gospel because I don't know the gospel. You definitely know. You know because you had experienced the gospel. The gospel, like Paul is defining, is not only a message. It is a power. It is an experience which you have. You have your story. Your story is a letter that everyone can read. I don't know what to say, Pastor. Just say your story. Just tell your testimony. Just to be a little bit more Christian. Testimony. But in other words, tell your story with God. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 2. You yourselves are our letter of recommendation. Written on our hearts to be known and ready and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stones, but on tablets of human hearts. Say amen, everybody. This week, ask God to create an opportunity for you to share your story with somebody. We're going to, in a few more minutes, just close, but I, I want you to... Ask God, God, just, just create an opportunity for me to tell my story with you. And I want to prepare you because extraordinary miracles will start to happen. We're praying for this Easter service coming up. And one of the, uh, the spiritual impressions we're having is that God is going to move with signs and miracles in April the 17th. Just because you decided to tell your story to somebody. Yeah, I know the miracle happened through the hands of Paul, but also can happen through your hands. During those years, while Paul was preaching the gospel in Ephesus, there were so many amazing things that his message and consequentially, Paul himself became very known. The city uh, authorities, uh, Asia Minor, all heard about this man and his message. It is nice when you find more followers in your social media. It's almost inevitable when you proclaim the gospel that people will follow you in your Instagram story. I'm a very testimony of this. 
During the 21 days, Pastor T was helping me to me create these little short videos that he told me is called stories. And suddenly, from whatever, maybe my mom, my kids were following me. And now I have 4,000 people following me. It's very interesting. Because people are thirsty and hungry for the truth, guys. Don't, don't, don't accept this idea that people are close for the gospel, that people don't want to know anything about Jesus. People are crazy to know about Jesus. They are really open to. Yeah, we may find one here, here and there that, you know, are just like rebellious and stubborn. But let the true rock break that stubbornness in the right time. We don't need to worry about that. Just, just proclaim. But better than to find followers in the social media is to be known in the spiritual realm. So in his ministry of preaching that message, we hear that Jewish exorcists trying to cast out demons had an encounter with a demon-possessed person. And while they were trying their best to cast out the demon, the demon speaks through the person. Acts chapter 19, verse 15. Jesus I know. And Paul, the demon says, I recognize. But who are you? I don't know about you. It is nice to have social media followers. But I want to make sure that I have my poster spread all over hell. Knowing that I'm a big problem for them. And look, when we are faithful with this message, my friend, you are a big problem for hell. God is going to start to use you and bring deliverance to your family, bringing freedom to the captives around you in your college, in your workplace. People are going to ask you to pray because they know you are a man and woman of God. Acts chapter 19, verse 18. Also many of those... Who are now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who may had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So that the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. It's not Paul prevailing. We know what's going to happen with Paul eventually. He's going to go to jail. Because Paul is not powerful in himself. We are nothing in ourselves. But our message is powerful and always prevail. Some speculates that these 50,000 pieces will be equivalent to $6 million in today's value. So real conversion have two important public evidences. Number one, listen to me well, is baptism. Acts chapter 19 says that on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of of the Lord Jesus. This is the people of Ephesus. If you are listening to the gospel and you are not yet baptized, you are listening something else. Or 
you are not giving heed to the truth. You're just now pretending that you are part of a, a better group. You like to be around, but you are not allowing the message to change you. Baptism, public declaration that the gospel is real in your life. You have to go through it. There is no restriction for it besides believing in Christ Jesus. You have to believe with all your heart, mind and soul, and make this public to your family, to your friends, post in all your social media. Make sure the world knows you really crossed the Red Sea. You cannot turn back to the Egypt anymore. You are baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Number two, there is a detachment. A detachment from things and money that manifests itself in contribution. Because if your words are not followed by your pocket, you're also not listening the gospel. Those people had no problem to burn, I can say, waste part of their assets because there was a better treasure. They found something more valuable. Contribution is a sign of a gospel-based church. In this church, we are not here just to entertain you and make you feel good about yourself every Sunday. We want you to grow in every way. But there is a measurement that we can know if we are growing or not. If it is more contribution in our church. I'm being very honest with you guys. Without the growing of our contribution, I need to stop and let's reevaluate re what kind of message are we preaching. Let me ask you this. Do you think we are preaching the gospel in this church? Let's grow together in our contribution as well. Amen. Acts chapter 20 verse 32. Paul is giving his farewell from his ministry in person in the city of Ephesus. He is leaving the city and he wonder. So when did he write this letter here? It was years later when he was in a house prison in Rome. But after giving himself for almost three years in one single place, he is now saying his final words to the church in Ephesus. His words in public. His words in person. Verse 32. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. Which is able to build you up. And to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Bring me the slide with the logo for our series. We create that. Because we believe when we have the gospel, our church can be built on Christ. Exactly like Paul says, His grace which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Say amen everybody. Verse 33, I, got, I covet no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you 
that by working hard, everybody say working hard, all the young people in this church say working hard. Again, all, only the young people say working hard. So stop with laziness. This is not a church of lazy young people. This is not a church that creates excuses to not serve. We actually look for opportunities to serve more. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Working hard. I lost my train of thought here. Jesus, help me. In this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he himself said, he himself said, with me say, after me say, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Say it again, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Say amen, everybody. Let's stand up. Pastor, I thought you were preaching on Ephesians, but you were in Acts. I need to give you this background. And just to say that I did not preach in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Christ. What is an apostle? Someone that is sent by a commission to a mission, to a journey with a message. In that sense, we're all apostles. Say amen. Tell your brother or sister, say, we are apostles. Come on, tell, tell confidence, say, we are apostles. In the sense that we are commissioned with a message. Say amen, everybody. By the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus. You see, Pastor, that's the problem. We are not saints. I am saint. You are a saint because you were sanctified by Christ Jesus. Amen. So find somebody else, say, we are saints. Come on, tell him or her, say, we are saints too, brother. We are apostles. We are saints. And because we are commissioned with this message, because we are sanctified by the blood of the Lamb, the result is always, verse 3, grace to you and peace. Verse 2, I'm sorry. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. The title of my message is Grace and Peace. If you didn't get anything this morning, I know you're not going to leave without the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ. With your eyes closed, lift it up your hands. Father, I want to declare over your people the multiply, overflowing measure of grace and peace. Father, I know that some people are wondering, is that really for me? Am I supposed to be open to this message? I'm speaking to you that is still wondering about Christian faith. You can make Jesus the Lord of your life with a simple expression of faith from your heart. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, you'll be cleansed. You will become a saint, sanctified by His blood. You just need to make a simple prayer with me. My church, you do help me right now. 
Repeat it with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I open my heart. I need you. You are my only Savior. And today, I call you my Lord, Jesus Christ. Save me today. I believe in my heart. Therefore, I confess. In your name, I pray. Let's give some shout of praise in this house. Come on, somebody.